There's about five of you. I said, well, good evening. Everybody doing all right tonight? It's good to see each one of you. Let's stand together, please. Turn with me to page 687. Page 687. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. Let's sing about it tonight. Won't it be wonderful there? Page 687. When with the Savior we enter the glory land, won't it be wonderful there? Ended the troubles and cares of the story land, won't it be wonderful there? Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing, oh, won't it be wonderful there? Walking and talking with Christ the Supernal One, won't it be wonderful there? Praising, adoring the matchless Eternal One, won't it be wonderful there? Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing, Oh, won't it be wonderful there? There where the tempest will never be sweeping us, won't it be wonderful there? Sure that forever the Lord will be keeping us, won't it be wonderful there? Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to singing with heart bells all ringing oh won't it be wonderful there amen great start tonight what a blessing tonight and man i'm telling you it will be wonderful there amen and uh sure thankful that you're here uh tonight and so let's go to the lord uh in prayer tonight and ask god's blessing on our services i'm gonna ask brother bradley watson if you would pray for us tonight And why don't you be seated uh, tonight and uh, do want to mention uh, just a few things with our uh, announcements and things uh, last night. Of course, we had our games Monday night and the girls finally got over the hump and won a volleyball match. Amen. And so that was a real uh, blessing. But do pray for the boys. Amen. Uh, but uh, of course, we did give out our uh, uh, February bulletins uh, Sunday. And so if you didn't get one of those, you can certainly grab uh, one of those. Do want to mention a few quick things, though, uh, tonight. Uh, if you have kids in the youth department, don't forget about there is a youth rally this coming Friday night, and that is at Temple Baptist Church in El Dorado, Kansas. And I do believe that the bus is leaving at 430. Uh, and so, uh, but I'm not sure on that. You do want to get with Brother Tim Quinlan, our youth director, make sure of that if you have kids uh, going to that. If you have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, there's a couple of other things coming up in the month of February, February the 13th, which is on a Tuesday, uh, since Valentine's Day falls on a Wednesday, and it's only a ha uh, half days on Wednesdays. Uh, they're going to be doing their Valentine's Day party Tuesday, February the 13th, and that is from 1 to 3 o'clock uh, in the afternoon. And so, Mom and Dad, make sure that you are aware of that. And then also, there is one more round of volleyball and basketball games and these will be away at Lawrence uh, at Heritage Baptist Church and they will be starting at 5 p.m. and that is on Friday February the 16th and then of course our outreach uh, is February the 17th on a Saturday uh, at 10:30 in the morning there's some other things uh, coming up but did just want to mention this don't forget about the Sophie Meerhoff and Isaac Needfelt wedding that is at the end of the month February uh, the 24th, which is on a Saturday at 3 o'clock uh, in the afternoon. And then also I mentioned this Sunday night, but ladies, don't forget about the ladies meeting that is normally uh, in February has been moved. Uh, it's normally in the last uh, week of February, but it's been moved to March uh, because my wife is going to be having surgery that week. And so we're moving it to March the 12th 
which is on a Tuesday at 7 p.m. And it's also going to be a potato bar. And so make sure you bring some toppings and or a dessert uh, for uh, that. Okay, let's go ahead and get our prayer list out tonight. And let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer uh, tonight. do have several things I wanted to update you on. And so... Uh, and, and a couple of add-ons uh, as well. Uh, if you would, on the first column under health, uh, do continue to pray for Brother Chuck uh, Bellis uh, with his eyes. But then also he fell uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and uh, is still in some pretty good pain uh, with that. And so pray for him. I know he would appreciate uh, that. Also down at the towards the bottom there is Roger Williams, who we had been praying for with kidney cancer. Uh, and he actually ended up uh, passing away, and so if you would pray uh, for that family. And then in the uh, second column there, we have a couple of things I wanted to mention. Uh, if you could, uh, you can go ahead and take Brother Rich Raymer uh, off. He's doing really good getting his stitches out uh, tomorrow, I believe it is, and so thankful for that. So he had that uh, carpal tunnel surgery, and, uh, and so thankful for that. Uh, also on there, uh, about halfway down is Mark Hurley. That is Brother Jacob uh, Hurley's uh, dad who was scheduled to have back surgery. Uh, and I believe it was this morning. And uh, anyways, uh, started getting feeling uh, strength back in his legs. And the next thing you know, he's walking around. And the next thing you know, he walked out of the hospital. He was able to walk out of the hospital and go home and didn't have to have the surgery. And so that was a real answer uh, to prayer there. And so praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, also, a couple, if you could add on there, Brother Gary and Angel Waters uh, texted me tonight. Uh, they are uh, at home and sick. And so if you could pray for them. And then also Brother Jim Wisdom, who is he is downstairs with the kids tonight, but had uh, hernia surgery on Monday and is recovering uh, from that. So Lord willing, Jeanette is the one running around and not him, amen, uh, back there. And if you know Miss Jeanette, that's, that's a cakewalk for her, amen, uh, running around. And she has more energy than most of the kids downstairs, amen. Uh, but do pray for him. I know he would appreciate uh, that. Any prayer requests or updates as we go to the Lord in prayer tonight? Brother Bradley? Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 All right. So this is Michael Royo. This is there at the very bottom on the second column. That is uh, Bradley and Alicia's uh, uncle that fell uh, last week and had the brain bleed. As far as I know, the brain bleed stuff is all under control. Um, okay. Okay, so, uh, but anyways, he's still, so he's improving, but still needs a lot of prayer, so if you would pray for him, so. Okay, Brother Steve Parker. Good. Mercy. Okay. Good. All right. So that's uh, Miss Lizzie uh, Parker, and do pray for uh, little Madeline Joy. It's Madeline Joy, right? And so do pray for um, pray for the baby there, and and certainly her. I know they would appreciate that. Okay. Anybody else tonight? All right, Ms. Kristen. Praise the Lord. Good, good. Okay, so that's Jesse Esparza. I'm, uh, it had the stroke, and uh, so that's good news there. So that's a real blessing. All right, Miss Melanie. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's continue to pray for Christy and Joseph Brummett. They're in the other request column there on the right-hand side of the page. And so certainly pray for that mom and, and uh, little boy. So, Brother Will? Okay. So, Brother Will Kennedy has an unspoken. 
Okay? Anybody else tonight? All right, Miss Georgie. Okay, she's going to MD Anderson tomorrow. Okay, and that is um, Laura Stanfield uh, that we've been praying for. And so she's going back to MD Anderson. And uh, so continue to pray for her. All right, anybody else tonight? Okay, let's go ahead and have our men uh, come tonight. And uh, do be much in prayer for these things. Some things to praise the Lord about, but some things to pray to the Lord about. Amen. So, Brother John Ellis, would you pray for us tonight, brother? stand with me one last time. Let's turn to page 377. Page number 377. Set my soul afire. Lord, we'll sing all three verses tonight. Page 377. Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Let's sing it out on that first verse. Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word burn it deep within me let thy voice be heard millions grope in darkness in this day and hour i will be a witness fill me with thy power Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire set my soul afire lord 
for the lost in sin. Give to me a passion as I seek to win. Help me not to falter, never let me fail. Fill me with thy spirit, let thy will prevail. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Set my soul afire, Lord, in my daily life. Far too long I've wandered in this day of strife. Nothing else will matter but to live for Thee. I will be a witness, for Christ lives in me. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Should be every one of our prayer tonight, amen. Lord bless you. Please remain standing and get your Bibles ready for the message tonight. Praise the Lord. Well, I guess I forgot uh, to mention this in my announcements, but I just wanted to make sure people understood that uh, this coming Sunday, our service times will all be normal service times. Amen. And uh, I guess there's some kind of game coming on or something. But anyways, we're going to have church. Amen. And, uh, and be in our place in the house of the Lord. Sure want to encourage you to be, listen, get a DVR, amen, or DVR it or record it or whatever. I don't, you know, whatever you got. And uh, I was going to say videotape it, but that doesn't, so anyways. First Timothy tonight and, and chapter number five. First Timothy tonight and, and chapter uh, number five. Now, uh, if you remember, so we've been going through the pastoral epistles. We've started Uh, here with 1 Timothy chapter number 5. And one of the things that we've kind of mentioned quite a bit uh, here, especially as of late, is the idea of church polity, which no doubt comes to to light as you and I get into chapter number 5. Church polity is just basically those principles that help a church uh, govern itself. And so Paul has, has been giving instruction for Timothy on how to how to deal with the widows, and, 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 and then even we saw this last week, uh, we saw the instruction on dealing with the pastors there and how to take uh, care of them. And I realized it was kind of just a, a you know, a instructive, informative uh, message, but, but at the same time, there were a lot of people that was like, that, you know, that it helps us to understand things, doesn't it? And it's a real blessing. But now look at verse number 21, because what I would say to you is this, is that where Paul has dealt with the widows and Paul has dealt with the pastors, well, tonight, Paul's going to deal with Timothy, all right? And so look at verse number 21. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, 
and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Okay, so so here's here's what we're going to look at. All right, tonight. All right, I said this a minute ago to Brother Eric. We're going to learn a new word tonight. Okay, where we've been talking about church polity. Guess what we're going to talk about tonight? Ethics. All right, ethics. All right, because here's the thing. Here's the deal. All right. It matters both that you do these things, but it also matters how you do it. How you do it. You, you know, every, it's, you know, and I know there's this saying here, but I'm telling you, I believe it to be a true statement. Everything rises and falls on leadership. All right. So Timothy, the idea, the charge here to Timothy is this. You need to take care of these things, but as you do it, you need to make sure that you take care of it ethically. And so what I would say to you tonight is this. We need to be reminded we're to do things right, but we're to do things, we're to do things with a righteous attitude and with a righteous spirit and, and, and make sure that we take care of them in an ethical manner. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you that, Lord God, everything that oftentimes we hear so much about, it just seems like there it is right there in your word. And no doubt uh, that is certainly true tonight. So help us tonight. Help us to do things in an ethical manner, Lord, whether it be a church tonight, whether it be as, as, as uh, Lord, as employees or even as employers, uh, Lord, or even uh, as moms and dads in homes tonight, or even as individual believers tonight, Lord, help us to strive, Lord, to do things right, to have righteousness in our lives. I can't help but to always think of David. And Lord, I know he certainly wasn't perfect, but he strived to do things right. And I pray that we would seek the same. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight. I, I, listen, let me just help you with this tonight. I don't, I don't claim to be the perfect pastor, and, and if you think that I am, you are, you are setting yourself up for a lot of false expectations, amen. I, I, don't, I don't claim to be that. I certainly make st mistakes all the time, but with that being said, I can also say this, that ethics in ministry has become something of a lost art today. Um, I, I remember when independent Baptist preachers would communicate with other independent Baptist pastors if someone from their church visited your church. All right, but, but that, I, I, listen, but I, I'm just telling you, that is, that is no longer the case. I still do those things because that is the right thing to do, and, and I want to feed the sheep, but, but I don't want to be accused of stealing the sheep. Does that make sense? Um, be, be, and also, here's the thing. We want, we want Faith Baptist Church to be a church home for people, but at the same time, we want to make sure people come the right way, all right? And because what, what, if they're, what if they're not in good standing with their home church? Or what if, what if there's some bitterness or some unforgiveness that, that needs to be dealt with? We certainly don't want them bringing baggage here. We want them to make sure that they take care of it and then come here with the right spirit and with the right attitude. But the point I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that you could save yourself a lot of heartache if you practice ethics. But on the other side of that, when you don't practice ethics, what I'm telling you is this, you are setting yourself up for heartache and maybe even problems, greater problems down the road. But, but listen, that, that is just one example where ethics comes into play in ministry, the reality is this, it goes much further than that and deeper than that. And I can say to you tonight this, I, can, I have seen it where it gets way out of control when, when the man of God does not exercise ethics in ministry and it leads to a lot, a lot of bad things. I, I personally know of a, of a man uh, that was pastoring at, at one time and who did not handle things in an ethical uh, manner. I mean, listen, it, it was, there, there were things, you heard stories of uh, testimonies of things where there was, you know, insecurity and, and, and running good people off 
from the church because he feared their, their, their godly influence on other people in the church. I mean, that's, that's insecurity. And, and, then, and then on top of that, uh, you know, getting into business with believers within the church and not doing things in a right manner. And so, uh, you know, lawsuits took place, which, which also is against the Word of God. And, and then getting up on the stand and, and winning the case, but, you, but he won the case because he told a bunch of half-truths uh, while on the stand. And so then the men of the church had to call him out and, and forced him into resignation. And as he left the church, he organized a pulpit, pulpit committee with a bunch of, of carnal and ungodly men and then after that, uh, after the, after that the, then the church uh, found a pastor, and this same pastor uh, would go back to the area uh, there where, the, you know, where he was at, and he would have supper with all the, he would invite all the former church members along and, and come out to eat with him. Listen, that's unethical to do. You, you understand what I'm saying? And then on top of that, there were there was you know there was bad dealings with local businesses and and things like that. What I'm trying to get across to you is this. Now that's things that I have experienced in the ministry and 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 seen uh, firsthand accounts. And what I'm saying to you is this: that there's a pattern there when 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 there's this consistent uh, poor decision making and bad things. Listen, that that's called poor ethics. All right, and that's what I'm trying to get across to you tonight. And, and here's the thing. This is incredibly important when it comes to, to having ethics and carrying out church polity or helping a church to govern itself in a, in a right manner. I want you to listen to this tonight. The end result of poor ethics hurts, hurts a church's testimony in the community. But the root cause of all of that is oftentimes found with poor leadership and a lack of ethics. And what Paul is saying to Timothy in our text is this, is that he doesn't want to see something similar happen to the church at Ephesus. So it's because, Timothy, it's not only a matter of what you do, but it matters how you, how you do it. I want you to look at verse number 21 of our text tonight. He says this, he says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one another, one before another, doing things, uh, doing things by partiality. As Paul turns to Timothy here, it, beginning in verse number 21, he doesn't say, hey man, just, hey listen, when you get around, when you have a chance here, you, you need to take care of these things. That, that's not what he's saying right here. The, the idea of a charge is a command, and it's a command with emphasis. In other words, what he's saying here is this. Timothy, when it comes to dealing with widows, and when it comes to dealing with pastors, listen, this doesn't need to remain on the back burner. This needs to be a priority that you deal with. And so it begins here with this charge to Timothy, but then something else that, that's here, he says, he says, I charge thee, and now watch this, he says, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. So you understand right here that, that, that what he's saying here is this, and, and, and I want you to think about this. If you're a student of First and Second Timothy, then you know the similarity right here of, of this charge and really the last charge that Paul gives Timothy. In Second Timothy chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2, does this sound familiar? And you want you can turn your Bible over there and look at this. But in Second Timothy chapter two, he says this: "I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom." And then he says this: "Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine." So you see the similarities there. So the question then becomes, why the similar language here? Because Timothy, Paul's charging Timothy, so it's a command with emphasis, and then he begins to relate to Timothy this audience before God in the Lord Jesus Christ in the elect angels. Well, here's, here's what I believe. This is why this is similar to the last commandment that Paul gives Timothy or the last charge in 2 Timothy. I believe it's to show urgency 
But I also believe it not only matters what a man or a church preaches, but how they handle their business. And not only that, but we must understand that there's also a heavenly audience that's not only listening to what we have to say, but they're also observing how we do the things that we're supposed to be doing. And so you understand that that's the, the audience, therefore. And so therefore, what I would say to you tonight is this. Please listen to this. We need to handle things in an ethical manner. Because not only does it line up with our message, but it also helps our testimony uh, before the community that we, were, we are in. But you also got to think about this. Friend, our audience is not you and me, it's God. And we're going to give an account before Him of not only what we do, but how we do the things that we are commanded to do. So, but but here's, here's the idea, now catch this, there's a pattern here. Poor leadership that makes bad decisions in the, realms of, in the realm of ethics, it, it's not only going to give an account one day to God who witnesses all these things, but also ruins the testimony publicly. Poor ethics leads to a poor testimony. And when you think about this, listen, this doesn't just apply to a church setting tonight. The reality is this, there's a whole host of things that we can make application to tonight. A Christian-owned business needs to consider this right here. You attach the name of Christ with your business, you need to pay attention to this. Because it used to be, it used to be that when you said, we're Christian owned and operated. It used to mean that meant something. It meant you handled things in a righteous manner. You did things ethically. But the reality is, that's no longer the case. And here's why. Because people don't handle their business ethically, even when they claim, claim it to be Christian owned. Um, here, here's another thing. A family needs to consider this. Because when you don't operate ethically as a family, I'm, I'm just telling you tonight, you're going to hurt your testimony. Even as individuals tonight, individual believers, we too can fall under this same pattern. So listen, this isn't just about a church tonight, though that is certainly the main context and application. So here comes the, here's the question to you and me. So if Paul is now turning to Timothy, he's laid out church polity, and now he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to carry this out ethically to ensure not only your testimony, but the testimony of the church, then the question then becomes, what does he tell Timothy? How does he tell Timothy to take care of these things? So let me give you these things here. Look at verse number 21 again. So you see the charge there before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things. And here's what he says, without preferring one before another, doing nothing by, notice that word right there, partiality. So number one, here's what he tells Timothy. Timothy, these are the things you need to take care of as the leader of this church here in helping them out and getting some things, getting it governing itself in the right direction. But as you do these things, listen to this. Timothy, do these things without partiality. Impartiality is explained right there in the verse. It's treating one person differently than another person because you like them more than the other person. It's favoritism. It's the idea of saying this, Timothy, as God is no respecter of persons, you don't need to be a respecter of persons. Listen, listen, listen. And I know we would say, every one of us tonight would say, you know, we, we, have, we, we don't do things like that, but the reality is I'll give you a perfect example in one word that shows that we do have a tendency to do that sometimes. You know, want, want to know what the one word is? Grandkids. Grandkids. Now, you want to talk about partiality. Amen. My, listen, my kids get away with stuff with my parents that I would have never gotten away with. You, you understand what I'm, somebody say amen tonight. You, you know what I'm, you, you understand. Because grandparents do things with partiality. I can, re, listen, I can remember as a teenager, all right, and I was always starving to death. Now, now I'm in my late 40s and I'm still always hungry. I just don't have the metabolism I wish I had when I was a teenager. All right, but I'm just, I'd be starving to death. And I would go into the kitchen and, 
my mom or my stepdad, what, what are you doing in the kitchen? Get out of the kitchen, man. You're going to eat us out of house and home. Now, when my kids go to Nana's house, guess what? Go into the kitchen. Get you something to eat. I will even go in there and tell my kids, stop eating all of Nana's food. And guess what? I get in trouble again. My mom will, you leave them alone. They can eat whatever they want to eat. And I'm thinking, that's not how it worked when I was coming up. Now that's, listen, that's funny. And like the, like the old saying, grandkids are, that's your reward for not killing your own. And, and I get all of that, but here's, here's the point. Listen, it's one thing to have partiality with grandkids, but it's another thing when you have partiality in the leadership of a church or, or your home or, or, or your business or, or whatever the case may be. Listen, and I underline this in my notes. And if you take notes, you need, you need to write this down. We must learn to be governed by principles, not by people. And, and listen, no matter how much we might love them or care about them, biblical principles are what needs to guide us. All right, and think about the listen, and you got to think about the 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 position that 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 Timothy is in here, and the instruction that that he's been given with dealing with the widows and in dealing with with the pastors. I, listen, I can just tell you this from firsthand experience: it doesn't take long that when you go into where God's called you and where God puts you, it does not take long for you to fall in love with the people of God. And, and no doubt, Timothy probably getting around some of them precious widow ladies or, or, or maybe men that were widowers or whatever the case may be, and, and just the camaraderie with them and the love that he had for them. And, and probably, I'm just telling you, that there's probably some difficulty in saying, listen, we can't, we can't help you where, where, you're, where it's needed right now. Your family needs to take care of you, but we've got to take care of these pastors because this is what a church is. It is about the preaching of the Word of God. And so you understand that, I'm just telling you, that that's where Timothy is at. But, but you got to understand this. He's got to be guided by principles because every time, every time there is favoritism in the Bible, listen to this, nothing good ever comes of it. And there's favoritism all throughout the Bible. You don't believe me? Go back to the book of Genesis. Man, you want to talk about a mess? I mean, what about Isaac and Rebekah that had two sons, Jacob and Esau? And, and Isaac's favorite son was Esau, and here's why. Because he was a hunter and brought him deer meat. I mean, that's a pretty good reason. But you understand, and Rebecca, her favorite son was Jacob. And, and Isaac, and here's the thing, because they were guided by that favoritism rather than biblical principles from what God had wanted, Isaac almost blessed Esau instead of Jacob, which was against what God had said. He knew what God said. He just wanted to bless his favorite son. And this, of course, forced Rebecca to begin to manipulate and get her favorite son in there. And you say, well, Isaac was wrong, and then Rebecca was wrong. Listen, they were all wrong, and ethics would have made the whole thing better. Would have made the whole thing right, and they'd have never had the issue to begin with. Everybody get what I'm saying? Because they were guided by partiality, and here's the thing, and it would just continue to trickle on. Because Jacob would then marry Rachel and Leah, and Leah and Rachel would compete uh, against one another for the affections of, of Jacob. And, and then, if that wasn't bad enough, then, then, then they, you know, they, they gave their handmaids to, to J, uh, Jacob. So he didn't have just two women competing after He had four women competing after And I know what some guys are thinking. Mercy, that'd be awesome. But think about this. You got four mother-in-laws, or at least three right there. You better think about that again there. All right, I'm just trying to help you tonight. But now watch this. So you have Isaac and Rebekah and then Jacob. Please listen to this. And then you have Joseph. 
one of the sons who, guess what, is favored. And he gets his coat of many colors, and, and boy, he's his daddy's right-hand man. And look at all the envy and bitterness the other children had. And how they treated him. And all of that, listen to me, and all of that was because of partiality and poor ethics. And the point is this, listen to this, that the church has no business operating this way. Because when it does, you create an environment of manipulation where people are competing for the affections of the leadership and the end result is envy and bitterness by those that are left out. And, and again, I underline this in my notes, but we must, we, must, we, must, we must be exalted by the leadership and the church. Or I'm sorry, we, we have to, listen, we, we, the leadership and the church needs to be guided by, by the overall principles of the Scripture. That, that, that they must exalt the principles of the Scripture, not, not the people. And here's the other thing. The character of men is what matters, not the close relationships we may have with, with people. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And by the way, this is a good principle for a home to learn. Because if you treat your kids with partiality and you favor one over another, you just saw what happens right there with Jacob's home and Isaac, Isaac's home. You're, you're going to ruin your house. And please don't misunderstand this. This, this does not mean that, that you know, and I, and I thought about some of these circumstances. Okay, so we're not to do things by partiality. So that, then that means then that if I give uh, a kid uh, one, one thing, when they turn a certain age, then that means I have to give all my kids that same gift. Or, you know, if I give, if I, you know, our oldest child is 16, and so when they turn 16, I can give them a cell phone. So then when all of our kids turn 16, i got to give them all cell phones. No, 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 no. That's not what that means. Because the oldest kid might be ready for it, but that middle child that's half crazy, they may not be ready till they're 35. So, so that's, not, that, that's not what that's talking about. Don't, don't listen because... And by the way, don't let them accuse you of partiality when you do that because you're not being partial. You are being guided by principles. They are the one with the character issue, not you. Don't let them turn the tables on you. See, this, this is to say that character needs to be exalted in your home, not one child over the other. Every child, the reality is this, every child needs to be treated individually. That's, that is ethics in the home. Because I'm just saying, I've seen it, listen, I've seen it where, where one kid was favored over the other kids. And it could be a multitude of reasons. I've seen it where one kid had, had a disease or, or some kind of issue uh, physically or mentally or whatever the case. And because of that, things got out of balance in the home. And I'm not listening. I understand the care and the attention that children need in situations like that. But what I'm saying to you is this, it's not good when they get all the care and the attention and your other kids get completely neglected. You can't do that. You can't do that in the home. Or there, and this is the one that drives me crazy, and I've seen this happen in homes, in churches, where the one kid that has some kind of special issue, and so they get away with murder. And there's zero discipline on them. But then the other kids, the mom and dad is overbearing to them, and takes out their frustration on them. Listen, that's not a good environment for children to be in. There, there doesn't need to be partiality there. And I've even seen parents do the same thing when one kid's good at sports. And all of a sudden, listen, they, they're traveling all over the place for this one kid, and they're spending all their money on this one kid, and they're determining their vacation based on this one kid, and all this other, listen, while all the other, while the other kids, they just get the scraps whatever's left over that mom and dad have to offer. And I'm just telling you, that's a dangerous, dangerous place to, to be. And again, I, listen, you could deal with businesses, but, but I'm just telling you, the idea is this. Don't do things based on the relationships that you have, whether it be the church people, the kids in your home, the customers that you have. Do things based on principle. 
righteousness. Do things right. Do things right. Now look at verse number 22. He says this, and I, listen, this one kind of gets you tricked up a little bit. But he says, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. And it's, and, and it's real easy to, to, to misunderstand this one, but I think the overall idea here is this, is not only to do things with partia- without partiality, but also do things with purity. It's what he says there at the end, keep thyself pure. And this is the way that I would put it. Listen, listen to this. Where partiality has to do with principles, purity has to do with patience. You cannot, listen, you cannot make decisions in leadership foolishly. Nor, nor can you make them out of desperation. You have to, listen, otherwise, because I'm telling you, otherwise you can hurt others or your own testimony. And I believe this is what Paul is talking to Timothy about. The phrase right there, lay hands suddenly on no man, all right, that's not talking about strangling somebody. All right, now that's the way I thought about it, just because sometimes you want to strangle somebody. But that's not the idea there. It actually has to do with ordaining someone into the ministry. Okay? And the idea here is this, is not to ordain them too quickly. Okay? Because maybe, maybe they're a novice. And, and they, they haven't proven themselves in ministry, but either way, the idea is this, is that if they're not ready, don't rush to it. All right? And, and by the way, and I've seen men do this in ministry. I've seen, they have, they've got a young man that they're training and they're investing in, and they're pushing him through and, and, and through the ministry and trying to push him out into the ministry. And so they ordain him and they send him out when he's young and he's not ready. And I listen, and, and here's and this is what happens. Y'all, y'all with me tonight? Y'all, I'm just telling you, man. I listen, you need to listen to this because I, I realize I thought I, I certainly thought about I thought about Jack and, and Lizzie and how and how young they are, but I have often said this about Jack. He is mature for his age. And and that's because he's the oldest child. The middle child, you know, you gotta watch those, you know, and the baby, they they got or if you're the only child. I'm forty eight and I'm still not mature. Amen. That's Hey, watch it. You woke up to say amen. Congratulations. But you understand. That's, that, that's the, and, and I've just seen guys bring guys in, and they rush them in, and they push them out. And then here's what happens. I've seen this. I've seen young guys. I've seen, I watched a young couple one time on deputation going to the mission field. And they were young, and they were immature, had a pretty solid doctrine, and, and those kind of things, which is why we had them. But then during their deputation, they get around some wrong guys. And the next thing you know, I'm getting this letter from their sending church saying they changed their doctrine. And so we're, they're no, we're no longer their sending church. They're too young. But it's all about, listen, it's all about hurrying up and hurrying up and trying to accomplish the things. Listen to me, you can't rush that. You've got to be patient. And you've got to wait on the Lord and let, and let the Lord lead. But on the other side of that, listen, on the other side of that, I've seen guys doing it out of sheer pride. And hurry up, and hurry up, and, and hurry up. And man, you gotta, you, you gotta get them, you, you gotta get them going here. And, and man, they have they have poor, they, they have poor character. Look at the other end of that. He says, lay hands on, suddenly on no man. But then he says this: neither be partaker of other men's sins. And, and so this is the idea of, of, of you know a guy being of poor character. And, 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 you know, not doctrinally sound, but because you're interested in making a name for yourself, you want to send them out. Let's ordain them and send them out. And I've seen guys do that. Listen, I've seen young men in ministry, and they're so wrapped up in trying to get a name for themselves among the brethren that they will ordain and send out almost anybody. Yep, we're planting a church, or yep, we're sending out a missionary when the guy's probably not even qualified. I've gotten doctrinal questionnaires from guys like this and read their doctrine and think, you need to go back to Bible college or Bible Institute and learn something. You're not even sound. And folks, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that no matter how difficult things might get, 
or how shorthanded we feel at times, Brother Eric, or, or even how we are praying as a church and, and we want to plant a church or we want to send out a missionary. Listen, let us not do things out of pride or out of desperation. Well, what would you suggest, preacher? Well, here's what I suggest. Let's keep ourselves pure. And be patient. And wait on God to move. And wait on God to lead. You know, one thing I've learned as a pastor is this, is that this ain't my church, this is His church. And He knows how to work in the lives of His people and lead in those kind of things. And the truth of the matter is, what we need to be is a people that just walk with God and wait on God. And then when He says to go, we follow and He leads. I'm just telling you, works out a whole lot better when you do it that way. Works out a whole lot better when you do it that way. But also think about this. This isn't just applicable to a church. I have seen, listen, I have seen individuals make spiritual decisions in their life based upon these same two faulty motivators, pride or desperation. I've seen guys in ministry and their pastor is looking at them going, you are not ready to go out in ministry. And they'll be, well, there's this church down the road and they need a good pastor. And the pastor is, they, yeah, they do, but you are not, the, you don't need to go. And they ignore, they ignore the, the wisdom and the counsel and the advice of their pastor that's praying for them and loves them. And they get out of, they, they run and they go take a church. And the next thing you know, that church chews them up and spits them out. And here's why, because they weren't ready. But it was all about pride and just desperation and got to go out there and do it. And you go out there and do it. And here's what happened. Instead of them being catapulted into ministry, it actually ends up being a setback for their whole family. Because of what they endure in ministry. I've seen, listen, I've seen, I've seen people do the same thing about a job. Desperate, got to get a job, got to get a job, got to get a job. And the first job that comes along, or man, I got to make more money, got to make more money, got to make more money. And the next thing that comes along that offers more money, but yet it requires them to work on Sunday. But they're so desperate for that stuff. And they get out of church and they get away from God and not listen. And, and had they waited on the Lord, listen to this, they'd have got something far greater down the road. And not only that, but they wouldn't have been hurt so bad and gotten so far away from God in the process of all this stuff. Listen to me, don't, don't be in such a hurry. And don't be so prideful to make a name for yourself or so desperate. Listen, wait. I like the song, wait, I say on the Lord, wait. And we need to learn to do that as God's people. But let me give you the last thing here. This is pretty interesting here. And i got to be honest with you, I, Chewed on this most of the afternoon. Look at verse 23. This is so weird, isn't it? That he's like, listen, he's like, don't do things by partiality. Don't, you know, have purity. Don't do things out of desperation and pride. But then he says in verse 23, oh yeah, by the way, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Oh yeah, some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. This is so strange. The instruction here, isn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, throwing, just throwing stuff out there. And let me give you the third point. The third point is this. Do things with poise. Do things with poise. What, what is poise? Poise is the idea of this. Confidence. It's, but, but here's the thing. We're not to be confident in ourselves. It's confident in Him. And the idea of these last verses is this. They are meant to encourage Timothy personally. Because leadership... Especially in ministry, is not always easy. It does affect your health. And it does, listen, it does weigh on your mind as you wonder whether or not you made the right de decision. And 
or how something, you know, that's happened is going to affect other people. I mean, the, the, the scenarios and things that you struggle with. And then on top of that, you have all of these opinions and criticisms out there. Because what I've learned is this, is that everybody else seems to think they can do it better. But the reality is, Timothy, you just need to have confidence in God. You just need to have, you need to have poise. I, listen, I'm telling you right now, I can testify of this. I can relate to Timothy. The stuff that used to rattle my cage when I first got into ministry, I don't even bat an eye at anymore. All right? I don't, I don't worry about it or, or whatever. But that, listen, but that doesn't mean that there are no longer things that weigh on my mind. Oh, yes. There are other things that, that wake me up in the middle of the night. And then you start thinking about it and you can't go back to sleep. And you pray until hopefully you fall back asleep. And sometimes maybe that don't work. Usually that doesn't work. Your alarm goes off. And then that's when you get sleepy and tired and you want to go back to sleep. And then you're just grouchy the rest of the day. Or grouchier than you normally are. But what I found is this, is that through prayer and the Word of God and some grape juice, you get by. Look at the, look at the instruction here in verse number 23. He says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. And if you, if you study the differences between Timothy and Titus, Titus was the one with the thicker skin. Titus was the one sent to Crete to deal with the slow bellies, but Timothy was the nervous one. Timothy was the one, and so therefore, you have this instruction here to drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake. Now, I'm not going to go back and spend a bunch of time here because we have already dealt with this verse as we were going through the qualifications of a bishop in chapter number 3, water was not always clean in those days. All right? And so, grape juice, which is what this is talking about, not alcoholic wine, grape juice was a staple of the day because of all of the vineyards. All right? And so, what, what Paul is telling Timothy is to drink some of that grape juice. It will help you with a nervous stomach. And I can testify that it does help. I've done it before. All right, come in on Sunday morning and you're all amped up to preach all day and you got a nervous stomach and you're about to stand before everybody and you're down there in the refrigerator looking for something to put on your stomach and there's the Welch's grape juice from the Lord's Supper about eight months ago. You can't really read the expiration date, but you're willing to chance it. You drink some and it settles your nerves. I, just grape juice is amazing. Grape juice works like that. That's what he's talking about. But then look at verse 24 and 25. It almost like it seems like it goes back to, you know, dealing with the things that he's dealing with because he says some men's sins are open beforehand. Now I want you to think about this. Some men's sins are open beforehand. Going before to judgment. That means this. You can tell they're evil. But then he says this, and some men they follow after, which means this, you can't always tell they're evil, you got to watch. And then in verse 25, he says, likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Why would you want to try to hide good works? Good men with good works, pretty obvious. So in these last two verses, Paul makes something clear here about the character of men. He says some men's character be easily revealed. In other words, it'll be easy to recognize whether someone is evil or someone is godly. It's as simple as that. However, for others, it may not be that simple. Where those who are godly, their works are always open and cannot be hidden. Those who are evil sometimes can be deceptive. And so, while on the surface they might seem to be okay, it's not until later that you learn that they are in fact ungodly and evil. But this is what I want you to catch, all right? You with me still? All right, hopefully this has kind of intrigued your brain here a little bit because it does seem kind of odd, but what I want you to catch is this, is that the instruction in verse 23 about the wine for his stomach's sake, it's not some kind of 
random thought that Paul's throwing in the middle. Oh, while I'm thinking about it, do this for your stomach's sake. It's not random. Rather, it all goes together. The idea of what Paul is saying here is this to Timothy. Timothy, take a baby aspirin and get over it. Because the hard stuff's got to be done. And it's your responsibility to do it. And you cannot do these things when you're eat up with insecurity. Rather, Timothy, you need to have poise and you need to have confidence in God and do what is right. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you right now, and I want you to listen to me. If you don't get anything else, you need to get this tonight. We got enough insecurity in ministry and the lives of God's people as it is. And it needs to stop. Much of it stems, listen, much of it stems from a culture of confusion that we live in that wants to label evil as good and good as evil and then wants to shift the blame to everyone else and take no responsibility for itself. And if you're in leadership, listen to this, you cannot, you cannot lead wrestling with all that stuff because you're going to have to confront evil. And, and, and so here's the thing. If you're worrying about everything and everybody and what everybody else is going to think, you're going to be messed up. And, and, and then you're going to be panicking when something goes wrong because it is going to go wrong. And a lot of times, I'm just this right here is why guys quit ministry altogether. They're just like, man, I don't want to deal with this stuff. I'm struggling too much. Listen, all a man can do, listen to this, all a man can do is trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit and discern the character of men to the best of his ability and then do what is right. He cannot control what others may or may not do. So if a guy is deceptive and he ends up revealing his evil later on, look, that's on him. That's not on Timothy. And Timothy needed to know this. And so Paul is encouraging him here. Paul, listen, what he's saying is this. Take care of yourself personally. Confront evil when it's obvious. And when it's not obvious and things seem a little off, just watch them. And be leery. Because what, it's kind of like what I've said, and I've told our staff this. If it's weird, that's because it's weird. It's because they're weird. And just watch for a little while. And guess what happens? What, what eventually the cream rises to the top. And, and so I'm just telling and, and what happens is this, is that they eventually reveal themselves and nine times out of ten, it's usually bad character. And so when you see something that's a little off, that's usually the Spirit of God giving you some discernment to say this, you need to stay back and watch that. Some of you are sitting in here going, is he thinking I'm weird? Is he... No, that's, I'm just, this is for you tonight too to listen to this. And, and because here's the thing, when they finally reveal themselves as evil, then confront it. Confront it. That's what he's talk, telling Timothy right here. Because here, now watch this, and when they try to shift the blame on you, like the culture does, like narcissists do. Don't, don't feel guilty. Timothy, don't, don't, don't be insecure. Don't feel guilty over that. Don't, Timothy, don't lose sleep over that. Because that's not on you. That's on them. You're the one that's doing right. Is anybody? It's making sense? That's what he's dealing with here. And by the way, let me help you with this tonight, church. When the man of God is put in a position like this, the best thing for God's people to do is get behind the man of God. Instead of listening to those who are evil and they're trying to cover up their evil with lies, like slandering the man of God and his family or the church people. That's something to think about. Because that's what's going on in our day and time. Isn't it amazing how the Bible is, well, you know, preacher, this old Bible, it's just not relevant. Oh, yes, it is very much relevant to our day and our time. So here's what ethics does. 
It deals with situations based on principles, not people. It makes decisions based on patience in the Lord, not pride. And it remains poised in the Lord even when evil is trying to cover itself up with deception. And the bottom line of it all is this, is that it not only matters what we do as God's people, it matters how we do it. It matters how we do it. So here's my question for you tonight as I've had to ask myself as pastor of Faith Baptist Church. And yes, it goes to you tonight as whatever ministry that God's placed you in, whatever, you know, your family, the life that you're living as you know Christ as your Savior. Hopefully you know Christ as your Savior. If not, tonight's certainly the night to be saved. But but you understand, this this is dealing with you as well, not just me. And so we've got to ask ourselves this tonight. Am I operating ethically? Am I doing things biblically? Is it when it comes to the ministry that I'm involved in or, or the home that I have or the job or the business or, or, or even the salvation that God has given me? Am I doing things based on the principles of the Scripture or am I a respecter of persons and, 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 and having favorites? Am I... Am I, am I waiting on God or am I doing things out of pride and, and, and desperation? Am I dealing with insecurity as a Christian or do you know what? Or do I need to just trust God in His Word tonight? Every one of us got to ask ourselves those things tonight because that's what Paul's dealing with Timothy about. And in turn, he's dealing with us about tonight. Let's all stand tonight.